Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at what's been going on in the world of sport around the Highlands this week. I am Andrew Henderson and as usual I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, 35 episodes, we've been doing this for a little while now haven't we? We have and every episode has been a beaut as far as I'm concerned, I don't know your opinion. Uh, no comment. No, <laughs> it's been hit and miss for you is it? There are some weeks I definitely feel like have been better than others, but that doesn't mean there's any week that's worth skipping because we're always bringing you great content and, of course, the latest of what's going on. It's always best to keep up to date. And, well, we've got quite a lot to talk about this week again, so let's just get right into it. Starting, and this might take people a little bit by surprise, away from football because there's quite a big game in Shinty this weekend. Oh, yeah, the Camden Up Cup final. Did you actually forget? No, I didn't. I just didn't add it for a drama. It's a huge um, coming up cup final because it's a coming up cup final without the big two. Mm. Makes a nice change in a way, doesn't it? No, no Newton Moore, no King Ducey. It's Lovett versus Kinloch Shield for the most famous prize in the sport. Well, it's, it's the biggest prize in the sport now since uh, the establishment of the Premiership. That's up for debate, but certainly it's the most historic prize and it's definitely going to be a historic occasion for Kinloch Shield, who, despite um, their recent successes in the league, in the Macaulay Cup, which they've won twice in the last five years, they've never actually reached the final of the Kamenok Cup. And apparently there's going to be a huge support coming down from the west coast of Oban. So um, it means a lot to that community, but it also means a lot to love it as well. Their fourth final in six years, the last one in 2015, after waiting since the 1950s to win it. So it's definitely a final that's uh, captured the imagination of both communities. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. How much do you think that past success is, is going to have an impact this time? Like we say, it's the first time Kinloshiel have been in the final. There's, I suppose, a risk that we're going to get overawed by the occasion. To be honest, I don't think they'll be overawed because they've had successes in other competitions in recent years. 2017, they won the Premiership, only the second club outside of Newton Moore and King Lucy to do so. Uh, the other one was Fort William, in case you're racking your brain for that one. They also won the Macaulay Cup in 2016 and 2018. And it's, it has been three years since they've won a trophy, but you know it's, it's the same squad. They've been two finals before and won. They've won the league. So they shouldn't be overawed by it. Lovett have been in the final four times in the last six years I mentioned, and they lost one in 2015, but they have lost their last two finals. So in a way, if the pressure was on somebody, it'd probably be more Lovett than Kinloch Shield because Lovett have been to the final and not delivered in the last two times. So for them, it's going to be a case of, can we do it this time? Can it be third time lucky? if that's the right way to say it, because they have won it before. But with the squad they've got that have been in the coming up Cup final previously, they have lost the last two finals, so maybe the pressure is on, on them, and maybe they're the ones that might be overawed, because it sounds like the majority of the crowd will be from the West Coast and supporting Kinloch Shield, as far as I'm hearing. So, I don't know, but who, who are the favourites to win? If you're looking at form, Lovett have beat Kinloch Shield in the Macaulay Cup quarterfinal, and then they beat Kignusi in the Kamenov Cup semi-final, and Kignusi were heavy favourites to win that game. 
and pretty much sweep all before them this season in the cup competitions. So love it might go in his favourites, but at the same time, they're maybe the most danger in being overawed by the occasion. I know you've been talking to people in both camps this week. Well, you, you've kind of been Kamenash Cup Central for us this week. What's the feeling within each group uh, going into this? I, I guess they'll both feel like they've got a good chance of winning when it's not a Canusi or a Newton Moore they're up against. Yeah, I spoke to Jordan Fraser from Kinloch Shield, who scored the winner against Kyle's Athletic in the semi-final. And uh, he's inspired by the response they've had in the community to them reaching the cup final. He's well aware it's history in the making, and it's something that they're determined not to slip out of their hands. Um, you know, they've got nothing to lose, so they're just going to go for it. And I also spoke to Fraser Heath from Lovett. For him, it's actually his first coming up cup final with Lovett, but he was with Glenockert when they lost in the final in 2014 to Canusi for nothing. And he said, you know, it was it was a sad moment for him that they couldn't win the trophy with Glenockert. But um, it's something that he wants to put right because for any Shinty player, winning the Kamara Cup is the pinnacle of their career. There is the argument that uh, the league is bigger than the, the Kamara Cup, but what's the most prestigious depends on each individual, I guess. But both teams are confident that they can go and win it. They don't see themselves as underdogs. And even though I put Love it as slight favourites, I think it'll be a very close game. It definitely tends to be unless it's the same team in both, if a team is winning in the Premiership, leading the way, they'll say that's the more important. And if a team makes it through the Kavanaugh Cup final, they'll say that's the one that's more important. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt this year with having a regionalised league structure. We don't have the Premiership as usual, but the Kavanaugh Cup is the big prize this year. So it, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic occasion. And like I said before, it's just kind of nice to see a bit of, maybe not a changing of the guard, maybe that's, too big of a, a statement to make but just to have a couple of different teams in the final it's not just the same old thing every time no offense saying that to Newtonmore and Canusi but you know more competition is always a good thing it's good it's difficult to gauge the former teams this season because there is no national league or the premiership it's all regional leagues and the one thing we are noticing with the regional leagues are games are being very easily postponed because mm. of COVID restrictions and Apologies if I offend anyone by this, but it just seems that the regional leagues appear to be an afterthought this season. It's just a case of giving teams the chance to play games um, because there's just small groups of six. To me, it doesn't appear that they're taking the regional leagues that seriously. It, for them, it, it's the cup competitions, which they are taking seriously. But I think it's just a case of the regional league matches are being treated as friendlies and warm-ups for cup competitions because... There is a proper prize at the end of it. I think in terms of league competition, they're just wanting the Premiership and the National League to come back in 2022. So it is difficult to really ascertain the form of each team because of the league situation. Um, because last week there was a whole host of games postponed in the regional leagues, and we've seen that for a few weeks now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the regional leagues didn't finish and they just concentrated on the cup competitions. But... That's not for me to say. You know what, though? I wouldn't blame them for having that sort of approach to the leagues because there isn't the same sort of jeopardy with promotion relegation. I think the whole idea was just to get as many games going as possible while still lowering the risk. It, it was always going to be a bit of a, a year that just tied clubs over 
in that sense. Whereas, like you say, the cups, yeah, a couple of them have slightly changed format to make things regionalized, but it's still those historic prizes that everybody wants to win. I'm sure things will be different next year if and when the previous league structure comes back. But this year, like I said, there's no doubt about it. It's the cup competitions that everybody wants to do well. And so if, if that's what they're prioritizing, fair enough. And a few of the managers have said that themselves. You know, it's, I'm, you know, it's, it's nothing um, new that I'm saying. Mm. Uh, you know, they want to win silver there, where they want competitive games. And uh, they don't see the regional leagues like that. They see the comp- competitions, the uh, even with the reserve teams, there's probably uh, more of an emphasis on them winning their own competitions than the league. Well, it might be difficult to ascertain league form or form based on the leagues in Shinty, but it's certainly not the case for Inverness, Caledonian Thistle in football. Five wins out of five now in the championship, leading the way, got a really good win over Partick Thistle last time out. Means they've beaten Kilmarnock, they've beaten Partick two of their challengers you would expect for a promotion and they're coming up against who we all thought would have been another one this weekend against Dunfermline hasn't really worked out that way for the Pars. they're bottom of the table one point from four games they do have a game in hand Cali Thistle have to feel like they're the favourites going into this one just based on how each team started the season this will be the game Dunfermline winner eh? I mean probably <laughs> that's usually how it works isn't it but you know if you're going on form there's no reason why that should happen because um, Cali Fissel doing great. Um, I saw the game against Partick Fissel. Great comeback in the second half. Although if I, if I was the Partick Fissel defence, I'd be swearing with myself about the first two goals they conceded. Carrick Broadfoot, low, long-range drive, but maybe the slowest long-range drive I've ever seen. You know, the, the Partick defence did back off him and allowed him to the chance. The second goal, well... I don't know what happened there. Where do you even start with that one? I mean, the what f- was the goalkeeper thinking? The first one, absolutely. They backed off. They made it an easy option for Broadfoot. But I can kind of see why they did that. If you're going to let any position charge forward with the ball and have a shot from just inside the box, I think he actually struck it from, you're going to let the centre-backs do that. I don't think they would have done that for a centre-mid even or attacking mid or obviously one of the strikers. But Kirk Broadfoot, Danny Devine, if you're going to let anybody have the ball in that position, have a go, that's what you're going to do. It just happened to be Broadfoot placed his shot absolutely perfectly, just snuck inside the post, and it went in. The second one is absolutely unforgivable. What Jamie Snedden was doing, I have no idea. And I spoke to Shane Sutherland after the match, and I kind of asked him, like, surely you wouldn't have believed your luck when you saw the ball fall to you with an open goal there. He was making the point it wasn't an easy finish. And you know what? It wasn't the best of angles for him, but the job was done. He just had to pass it into the back of the net. The third goal, though, Aaron Dorans, what a finish. Yeah, and going back to Shane Sutherland, even though it was an absolute calamity from the goalkeeper, what a, it was a great finish by Shane, given the angle that he was at. You know, mm. that would, it would have been so easy to hit the side net, given the, the amount of time he had to shoot. Um, but great to see Aaron Doran back. Stepping up his case for a regular place in the first team. Great finish. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being really critical for Partick Fissel for the two, first two goals, but Carly Fissel created those chances, to be fair. You know, they came back and uh, it was a comfortable win in the end. Partick Fissel was a bogey team for them last season. Uh, not last season, was it? Could be a couple of years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Oh, my God. See, the pandemic, it just screws me your head. I think we're all the same. Don't worry about it. It was a great win, and it showed another side of Cali Thistle because they haven't been behind in the league. Mm-hmm. 
So it shows that if they do go behind, they can come back and win and win comfortably. There was a time Cali Fissel just couldn't take their chances, but they took their chances. So credit where credit's due. And I have to give credit as well to Mark Ridgers because he pulled off a point-blank save to deny Brian Graham at the end of the first half that could have made it 2-0 to Partick. If that had gone in, it would have been a totally different equation for the second half. But Ridgers made that save, kept them in the game, and they came back out like a totally different team after halftime and obviously got the result, like you say. Dunfermline, it's usually been a pretty tricky place for them to go over the last few years and that it's usually quite hard-fought games, it's quite close games. But Cali Thistle do have a pretty good record off the top of my head against Dunfermline. Generally speaking, there's been the odd defeat. So it's all going in Vernessa's way. And, and you mentioned it before, I just have to hope this isn't the one that changes it for both teams because mm-hmm. it would be just like it, wouldn't it? It would be sod's law if that was the case. The one thing I've noticed about Dunfermline's results, they haven't just been losing. They've been losing heavily. Mm. Lost 3-1 at Air United. Lost 3-0 at home to Arbroath. Lost 3-0 at home to Partick Thistle. They lost away to Rangers in the League Cup 5-0, but I think you can kind of take that out of the equation. Yeah, relatively speaking. But uh, they're conceding an average three goals a game. Yeah. Which is really surprising because I, I had them as my title contenders. Sorry, I, I, I was speak first game of the season, they drew 2-2 at Morton as well, but still they conceded two goals. So it's a very leaky defence. It's it's there for the rest Caledonia Fissile to take advantage of. Could be another 1-0, probably take another 1-0. But, you know, a few goals would happily take that, I think. Absolutely. And, and they got a couple of goals at the weekend for the first time. So you'd like to think they're in quite good form going forward. I know it's early in the season, but Cali Fissile, if they win on Saturday, they should consider themselves title contenders now. Because party play Kilmarnock on Saturday as well. Yeah. I don't know what would be the best result there. Maybe Party Fistle beating Kilmarnock would be better than a draw. But if they win on Saturday, let's talk titles. Absolutely. And I think they should already consider themselves title contenders. But definitely if they win on Saturday, having victories over Kilmarnock, Party Fistle and Dunfermline in your first six games, that sends a message to the rest of the league for sure. Um, I caught up with Sean Welsh earlier on in the week. And you know what? It, it was quite an interesting conversation because... I was talking to him about some of the close games they've had against Dunfermline over the years, but with the way Dunfermline have started already this season, it feels like there's an opportunity, even going away from home, to actually use the crowd to their advantage. Here's what he had to say about it. We're going to be at the Peaks Cup final at the moment now because we're the scout that everyone wants to take and stop our unbeaten run. Um, so we've just got to deal with that. But at the end of the day, we've just got to, get, as I said before, we've just got to keep believing in ourselves and keep doing what we're doing because... So far, it's working. Dunfermline obviously just seen the results for a far. Um, you don't expect them to be struggling so much at the bottom uh, the table, but we've got to be cautious because they'll be de- they'll be desperate to kickstart their season. And obviously, as I said before, we're the 
I suppose that's always the case when you go away from home, but I would imagine with Dunfermline having started the way they have, it won't take long for the fans to get on their backs if it's not going their way. So there's a real opportunity here for Inverness to use that to their advantage. From the first whistle, the Dunfermline fans will be on uh, the team's back. It's not been great for Peter Grant's team. Uh, I wonder how much of an influence that does have on players. So on the pitch, do you just zone out and just concentrate on the game? That's a good question. Uh, we'd have to ask the players themselves, I think. I'm sure they always talk about how fans can help them if they're chasing the game, if they need a goal, can suck the ball towards the right goal for them. I don't know. Surely if, if it can have that positive effect on them, it can also have a negative effect. But maybe it's easier to block it out if it's booze, if it's frustrations. It probably depends on how their mentality is as well. If they're already feeling a little bit down the dumps about how they started the season... They might start listening to those critiques a little bit more and it might start to play on their minds. And I think it would have some impact, but probably more in a positive sense than it would in a negative, I would guess. I'd be, I'd be more concerned about the leaky defence than what the fans are saying. You know, Get that sorted out. If the family are trying to play an open, expansive game, it's obviously not working. So uh, Peter Grant uh, might be back to the drawing board and just play a tighter game against Cali Fissel. They might have a different approach because Cali Fissel are top of the league. That might cite Inverness because of their 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 results. So I think Inverness will win on Saturday. And by more than one goal, I'll give them two. You'll give them two. I'll say say 2-0 Inverness. I'm sure they would quite happily take that. It's been win after win after win for Cali Fissel. Ross County across the bridge in the Premiership are still looking for their first league win of the season. They've got a couple of decent points on the board so far. Well, you've been saying the season starts, well, is it this week or is it after this week when they face Hearts and Dingwall? For me, it's Hearts. It starts this weekend. So it's going to be a big occasion as far as you're concerned for them then? Yep, I think this is where the results start mattering now. Even for Hearts, great form at the moment. Is it third in the league? Is yep. it Hibs that are above them? You know, undefeated this season as well and looking really, really good. You know, Gary McKay-Steven, I saw him last weekend. First old man, fantastic game even before he didn't score. You know, probably overshadowed by the two goalkeepers, Macy and uh, Craig Gordon, who for me is the best goalkeeper in Scotland. But for me, I said it before and I'll say it again, because Ross County were playing five of the top six clubs from last season in the first five games, I always saw it as a free hit. And Hearts, even though they're doing well, they've just come up from the championship. This is where the season starts for them. And with home advantage, hopefully with a good crowd as well, you know, it, it, this is where Ross County really have to start producing points on the pitch. Because the performances in the first five games, even though they've only picked up two points, the only bad game they really had was against Hibs, in my opinion. You know, I know, I know Malky Mackay says they were competitive in all the games, no, they weren't against Hibs. Hibs wiped the floor with them in the first half. But the, the other four, St Johnston, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, you know, I've, I've been quite impressed by Ross County. Reagan Charles Cook, who's been spoken about in the Russia Journal this week, he looks like a new player to me. I don't know if that's the, your opinion as well, but he's definitely more confident on the ball and more attacking. Uh, and he's pr- proven to make a real difference in creating chances. Uh, Blair Spittle, for me, again, He's the main man for Ross County. He'll be instrumental in how well they do this season. But going back to the game against Celtic last week, you know, Ross County played all right. I mean, they pretty much nullified Celtic for 65 minutes. 
And then it was the most unfortunate deflection that Celtic took the lead from. Cameron, oh, I forgot his name. Cameron Carter Vickers, is that the man? Yeah. His uh, thunderous shot took a really bad deflection of Jordan Tilson and it just left uh, Ross Ladle stumbling back, trying to claw the air, searching for the ball before it reached the top left corner. And then Heads did go down a wee bit after that. But not, not the way last season when Heads went down when they scored a goal. I think it was just disappointment that they played so well for so long against Celtic. And Dominic Samuels had a great chance for an equaliser. And then uh, Ayete scored a second and that was pretty much game done. But there's a lot to be confident about at Ross County. And I know Hearts are doing well, but Ross County, if not a point, maybe she'd be aiming for all three this weekend and just making a real statement because they are second bottom now. You talked about Regan Charles Cook there. I'm going to play a little bit of what Malky had to say about him in a second. But one of the things he does say is that they didn't possibly use him enough against Celtic. He had quite a good game and was involved on occasion and looked dangerous when he was. Do you think they could have made a bit more of him? You know what it's like when you play one of the old firm. You just become a bit conservative. You hold back a wee bit. I think that was probably the mentality. Just try and catch them on the counter-attack. And to be fair to Celtic, Celtic didn't play that badly either. They created a lot of the chances before they scored. And Ross County were on the counter-attack. But maybe with hindsight, Malky thought, you know, we should have been a bit more attacking. Um, because they were in the game for 65 minutes. Well, you talked about him looking like a new player and looking really competent. That is exactly uh, how we started talking to Malky about Regan Charles Cook. Here is what he had to say about the winger. Confidence is huge. Um, and having been told um, by, by some of the guys in terms of the staff, in terms of um, maybe at times last year, his confidence wasn't quite where it is just now. Um, Again, I can't speak for that, but I'm being told that. And looking at the boy I'm looking at just now, I said to him actually a couple of days ago and before before the weekend, um, I think there's another thirty percent in him when I see what I see in training. And I, I think there's there's more way more to come from you, you know. And you know, you think at the moment that you're playing ninety minutes um, and you're doing fine, and that's a huge step up for you. And it is because he wasn't playing ninety minutes football; he was coming off in a lot of games. But I expect more. I expect a, a, an even better end product from you. Um, because, uh, you know, anyone that's texted me after the weekend, uh, they, everyone's mentioned them. Everyone in my text going, who's that? And I think when we showed the clips and stuff like that, and you showed just what he, the, the, the role he played against an international Croatian right back, um, who must have been thinking, what have we got here? What's playing against me here? Um, I don't think we actually played him enough. I don't think we got him the ball enough because I think when you saw two or three times where he did what he did, it's, it was, I mean, we had this conversation again on Tuesday in the debrief, recognise it and get the bottom. So um, when you have someone who's and, and I'm, you know, he's a terrific young man and he, he's again, I just think I want more belief from yourself because I believe in him and I see it out there. And I, I've told him I'm going to drive you on. I'm going to work even harder because I, it, what's what's working at the moment seems to be working for you on the pitch as well. So he's a big part of what we're doing at the moment, and um, you know that's that's a that's a credible threat when you're doing that against uh, Celtic and we did on Saturday. Then there's no there's no excuse for him. For me, last year Charles Cook was somebody who had 
flashes during matches. He had moments where he looked really good and showed his ability. And admitted that it wasn't even always in the league. I think it was the uh, Montrose game in the League Cup group stage last year where he scored a cracking goal, cutting him from the right, just slotting it into the far corner with his left foot. Over the summer and into this season, he seems to have stepped up that level of consistency. And as I think I wrote in the Rosher Journal, actually, if Malky says there's still more to come from him, that can only bode well for Ross County. Yeah, I, mean, I remember last season. So we all seen flashes. One in particular was the Motherwell game where they conceded four goals. But he definitely looks a more confident player. Maybe it's just taking him time to gel. That happens first season. A player can be a bit off the radar and all of a sudden it's like, wow, who's that? He definitely um, gave uh, Josip Juranovic a hard time at Celtic Park on Saturday. Dominic Samuel's um, chance, what a ball it was in from the wing. You know, in the six-yard box, just picked him out. And it only took a fantastic save from Joe Hart to keep Celtic in the lead. We saw it against Aberdeen as well. He got in the, the score sheet, but even for the goal, it was just him pouncing on a rebound. His um, play for the rest of the match was um, very impressive. So... If Malky thinks there's more to come from him, he seems to be getting the best out of him. Usually, I suppose, we go from Cali Thistle and Ross County to Highland League on this show. There isn't any Highland League action this week because it's Scottish Cup weekend. It's potentially a bit of a break for the likes of Nairn County, who have been struggling a little bit the last week while, and take a bit of the pressure off, might allow Ronnie Sharp to try some different things. It is against Straths Bay, though, so it's quite a familiar opponent for them. It's going to be an interesting one to see who prioritises what in terms of the cup in the league and how our Highland teams get on in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a downer that, uh, well, for both clubs that uh, they've drawn Highland League opposition in the first round. When you're in the Scottish Cup, you want to face a foreign team. And when I say a foreign team, a team from outside the Highland League. Yeah. Who, who doesn't love a trip down to Dalby Star? Well, to be fair, Brora have got that, haven't they? They've got Tynecastle FC. Tynecastle, yep. And uh, Clark McCudden, they've got uh, Donny Pace. <laughs> That's my um, knowledge of Donny Pace. Not a clue. But yeah, going back to Nair County and Strathspey Thistle, for them it's a welcome respite from the league because they both haven't been doing too well. But the thing about Scottish Cup, uh, it's also extra income. Mm. There's a lot of money to be had. The further they go, the more money you win. So the incentive is there alone, even though they're not doing it for the money, of course, but it, it does help the, uh, the financial situation in the club. Both of these clubs, I'll be looking at the tie and thinking this is a winnable game and it's a chance to go in a cup run and maybe play an SPFL team in the next round. And that'll be the same at Clark McCunnan as well. That's certainly the uh, mentality of Jordan McDonald going into the game. You know, they want to go in a cup run, go as far as they can and uh, try and play a big team in the, in the next stages because... When you look at Brewer Rangers and Hearts last season, you know how it can capture the imagination of the public. So they'll be taking this game very seriously. This is not just, oh, it's a week off from the league. This is a chance for them to um, make a, a statement as well as uh, make some money uh, the further they go. And hopefully it gets a good crowd as well, even for their both Highland League teams. Well, I suppose looking at all three of those teams, at Nairn, Clach, Brewer, They'll all fancy their chances of getting through, won't they? Yeah. Jordan McDonald at Clark, he's done his homework on Dunny Pace, so he'll be giving his notes to all his players. So, you know, even though it's the first time they've met and most people will not know about Dunny Pace at all, the players and the management will certainly go into the game knowing what they need to do. It's amazing how they can get footage of any game by now, you know? 
even at that sort of level. Tynecastle, who are Brewer Rangers are playing. By the way, no link whatsoever to Hearts, just in case anyone's just about to say that myself. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I did ask, I did ask, but apparently there's no link at all. Play at the Megatland Complex, and it's quite an impressive arena. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Take a look at it on Google. But they're struggling in the East of Scotland League. I think they're about 12th at the moment. So Brewer Rangers will fancy their chances, who have gone five games unbeaten, 19 goals without reply. Congratulations to Craig Campbell, by the way, doing a fantastic job as interim manager. Maybe a shout for him being manager, we don't know. And Wick Academy, they're playing Bowness United at home, so it's Bowness that have to go up there. Thankfully. Playing the Slope of Dreams. And that'll be a 50-50 game. Both very similar teams. But it's just the magic of the Scottish Cup, and uh, especially in rural towns, it uh, just brings a bit of magic to the area. So if, if you're a football fan and you don't want to go to Dunfermline or you're not a Ross County fan, go to one of these games. And... Yeah, they'll always be very grateful for extra bodies through the turnstiles. Potentially a big occasion for all of them if they get through in the Cup. But there's a big occasion for the management team at St Duthis as well in the North Caledonian League. Andrew Ross and Stuart Ross, congratulations. 100 games in charge of the club, 100 not out. i use one of your cricket analogies there. It's a great story because they actually helped uh, the club come back out of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Abeyance. Abeyance. No, no, not really abeyance, no. They, they were out of action for over 10 years, so I don't think you can call it abeyance. Sure. Like a phoenix from the flames. <laughs> they helped the club resurge and uh, they've been managers ever since day one when they re-entered the North Caledonian League in 2016. And now they've done a great job during their time. They've won the North Caledonian Cup. They've won the Football Times Cup. And in the last two seasons, they've finished in the top four. Their aspiration is to challenge for the league, but, you know, credit where credit's due. They've done a fantastic job. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I've kind of left the North Cali stuff to you this week. What else is going on in terms of the league fixtures? <laughs> well, it was the Football Times Cup last week. So apart from Lopnes, who beat Orkney 2-0 to go top of the league and are now two points clear. But uh, they're now facing their toughest game of the season against Invergordon at Recreation Park. That's the words of Shane Carlin. And that'll be a good uh, test of their credentials. Hawkeye United are facing Boner Bridge, while St Duffus are hosting Inverness Athletic. Uh, first, they are travelling down to Alness United. And Nerd County Reserves are on the road, or the ferry, I should say, to Orkney this weekend. That'll be a, a tough drive. We forgot about Golsby Sutherland. They're in the Scottish Cup as well. They're taking on civil service strollers uh, on Saturday. Best of luck to them. No mean feat for a North Caledonian League team to go and win in the Scottish Cup. So, Best of luck to them at King George V Park. Absolutely. And it's also cup action for Cali Thistle's women's team. They're in the Championship Cup at home against Falkirk on Sunday. Let's move on to a bit of rugby. And it was a pretty bad weekend for Highland last time out. They lost by 40-odd points down in Kelso. And this is the sort of league they're in now with National 1, where when they get on a bad run, they've lost their last couple of games it really doesn't get any easier because it's Harriet's coming up to Canal Park tomorrow. It's going to take something, I think, here from Highland to end this poor run of form, even though it's only a couple of games into the season, and start winning if they are to realise their aspirations of finishing in the top end of the table. Yeah, really tough start, and I was really surprised they lost by 40 points. Um, it just shows what kind of impact the pandemic has had on clubs. 
just on form as well, because, you know, you looked at Highland in previous seasons, for them to lose by 40 points, that would be unimaginable. But if there's one guy that can turn it around, it's uh, Dave Carson, the head coach. He was instrumental in helping them rise up the leagues to where they are now. They haven't underestimated it properly, but I think people have underestimated what kind of impact the pandemic has had on clubs just to get back on their feet and just get the squads assembled. And it's a tough game against Harriet's, but uh, Highland got a very good home record, so you never know. Yeah, the, the pandemic it basically meant everybody starting back from square one again. It's not like there was a couple of months out and then they were back like football was. They were a full year and a half and some players have left, some players have come in. Uh, everybody is well rested, but that's not always to Highland's advantage, I suppose. And everybody's trying to gel together again, learn their various different plays. You say he's the man to turn it around. Well, I absolutely agree. But talking to him at the start of the week, he is looking for the players to take responsibility themselves. And to be fair, as far as he's concerned, they're already doing that. One of the things we touched on before there, Will, was that they won't be used to losing that heavily. So it's going to take a bit of strength of character for them to come back from this. But are we already at the point for Highland if they are still aiming to be right up there, challenging for promotion, challenging for the title, that this is a must-win game for them, even though it's only a third game of the season? I think in seasons before the pandemic, Bigger actually won the league before the season was cancelled due to the pandemic, and they only lost one game. So if one team follows that sort of pattern, then yeah, it is probably a must-win game. And like I said, Dave Carson, he'll have his team prepared, but he can only do so much. Once they're on the pitch, it's all up to the players, so they know what they need to do. But yeah, must-win game for me. And would you also say it's a must-win game this early on for Ross Sutherland across in, in Regarden? They lost their first game just about as heavily as Highland did last week against Highland Seconds. Last weekend's match against Aberdeenshire was called off, but it's been a really long time since they won. Maybe not so much a must-win in terms of their aspirations for the season, but just to get the ball rolling again. This is, this is potentially a big one for them against Murray. I think Murray was actually um, promoted to Caledonia League 2. Uh, from the previous season. So 
Ross Summerland, they just want to get that monkey off their back. They'll be looking at this game saying, yeah, it probably is must win for them, just to make a statement, not for any title credentials. Uh, I don't think they'll be up there at the end of the season, just because of how strong Highland seconds actually are. But um, like any team, they don't like losing. They want to put that to an end. So, yeah, must win. I should mention it as well. It's the first game of the season for Inverness Craig Dineen's men's and women's team. Uh, Craig Dineen men had a game called off before, but they're finally in action, or supposed to be in action, away against Dice tomorrow. And the women's team are making the trip up to Orkney. It's a bit of a trek for them, but good to see even more teams getting back into action and so much rugby getting played around the area. Eventually, yeah. There's still games being called off because the cup teams can't field a team. Never mind the COVID restrictions, but the more clubs in action, the better. It's good to see. You know, COVID restrictions is one thing. I'll accept that, but there's never an excuse for not fielding a team. COVID's one thing. COVID's acceptable. I'll never criticise a team for that. But if it's like just can't get bodies for any other reason, that's not good enough for me. God, I'm, I'm, I'm very stern there. <laughs> Uh, there's always going to be some point that that happened during this week's episode well it just happened to be a little bit later on than some people might have anticipated while we're on rugby though I should mention Paddy Kelly as well he's part of the Great Britain 7 squad for the World Series games in Canada this weekend and next weekend because of the Olympics obviously featuring 7s it's a bit of an abridged World Series this year it's only I think these next couple of weekends but it means there's a real opportunity for the likes of Paddy and Great Britain to go and make their mark pretty quickly and, and potentially lift a trophy come next weekend. Good luck to Paddy. <laughs> It'd be great to see it, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's you know it's great that uh, any athlete from a local area that it's uh, playing an international sport. Um, it's just fantastic to see. Well, that's everything I had in my list between the shinty football and rugby. There's a lot to cover this week. Is there anything else that caught your eye? You ask me this every week and then you go and re- uh, read the entire paper and mention everything and then ask me and then make me look like a fool afterwards. Well, not this week, Kendo, not this week, because you know why? Megan Keith has just confirmed that she'll be competing at the Loch Ness Marathon on October 3rd, um, which means it's probably going to be a one-horse race and she'll absolutely batter the opposition. But good for her because she's an outstanding athlete and it's great to see someone who's competed in the European Championships representing Great Britain competing at a local level. So that'll be fantastic to see. Just to be clear, because I know she's done the, I think it's the 5K and the 10K there before. Oh, sorry, did I say the marathon? Sorry, 10K, 10K, no, 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 no. Well, it's all it's on the same day. It's the Festival of Running. So I want to be clear. Egg on my face. <laughs> so yeah, that probably is going to be a one-horse race based on the last couple of times she's done it. But um, the one thing that she said is she wants the course record. You know, okay. she's not just there to win it. The course record was set in 2006 by a Kathy Mutva of Kenya in a time of 33 minutes, 46 seconds off the top of my head. She thinks that's within her sights and that's what she's going to be going for. So that'll be very interesting to see. But, you know, we don't know. There might be someone equally as good coming up against her. So who knows? I think pretty much if Megan keeps entering, Megan's going to win. No bother. <laughs> We've seen this before, though, with, I think, the, the marathon a couple of years ago as well. There was a really obvious favourite, but the intrigue was whether they got the records. And, and that's still something exciting to keep an eye on. And obviously, it's something big for her to aim for 
rather than just entering it and running away, literally running away with the title. And that just shows uh, how much she's come on as an athlete. It's not just a case of winning it now. It's a case of how she wins. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive now. And uh, she's only going to get faster and faster. And also, Endo, it was great to see Finn Graham back in the area and uh, him visiting Dingwall Academy, uh, visiting the peoples there. If you haven't seen it on social media, take it a look. It's quite an emotional watch. He got a hero's welcome, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he deserved it as well. Uh, meeting his former teachers and just having a chat with the pupils as well. It was great to see the reception he got. Welcome home, Finn. It's good to have him back, especially with an extra bit of hardware to show off as well. Well, that's that's everything then. It's, it's about time we wrap it up, but not before we do the fantasy football update because there was some action last week. I don't know if you looked at the league table, did you? No, no, I haven't, no. It was probably for the best for you. I'm not going to lie to you. You ended up with 13 points. It's better than a hoof in the stains. Uh, it was not better than anyone else in the league. No. <laughs> but I think part of the thing is you were unlucky in a way. Sean Rooney got a negative point because he conceded a couple of goals and got booked. That was unlucky. Jamie McCart, because he's part of the same team, didn't get booked, got you zero points, as did Xander Clark. So you had three defenders for St. Johnson who all were going to get you the same result. Cole Donaldson mm. didn't play. Nicky Clark didn't play. Adrian Sporla didn't play. Dan Mackay didn't play. And Andy Constantine's out for the season. And Matty Kennedy didn't play either. So that was not a good grounding for you. No. Do you think I need to make some transfers? Well, that's kind of what I'm hinting at. But you've suggested before that you might leave your team for the season. I'm not sure that's going to be a successful formula for you. Yeah, but that was originally down to lethargy. So, um... (laughs) Well, if you keep it as it is, I'm going to be interested to see how long it takes Andy Dixon to catch up with you in the league table. And he's joined the league about three or four weeks after you. Hmm. I don't know. I've still got Kevin Nisbet as captain. He should be able to pull it around single-handedly. You do still have Kevin Nisbet as captain. I just went to double-check that. And I should say, I'm kind of criticising you, saying you should make changes. I was the second lowest scorer of the week. So I'm not, you know, absolved of any of this. The top scorer of the week, well, you'll hate to know, was also our league leader, Johnny Clark. He's still up there. I'm incandescent with rage. You can already see where the different groupings are going to be there's a top three then there's the next four maybe five depending on how you go and then a couple of late additions that are going to have a bit of work to do to catch up with the rest of us but it'll be interesting to see exactly if when they catch up to us um so that's that's something to keep an eye on for the next couple of weeks you're going in the wrong job uh well based on the league table yes although granted johnny also covers a bit of sport so Maybe maybe he's actually flying the flag for us, Well, I don't know. I'm a bit worried. You're a bit worried. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. I should just end this episode now before we end up having full-on existential crisis. So if you're interested in hearing some of the other podcasts Highland News and Media have to offer, there's Active Outdoors by John Davidson. There's Health and Lift Nest from Andy Dixon and Federica Stefani. You can get in touch with us, of course, on Twitter at balls underscore whistles or by emailing us at ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. We'll be back next week in some form or another, but Will, you're away on annual leave, so I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. I don't know. And maybe I don't care. 
I would not expect you to care, to be honest. It's not really your problem next week. I'm going to have to come up with something. I'm knackered. I deserve a holiday. You absolutely do. It's been a while since you were off. I think I've had a few since you were last off. So go and enjoy that. I need a haircut. I need a shave. I need an iron board to iron my shirts. I've got everything planned for next week. It's my mum's birthday as well. All right. So, you know, there's something else to think about, I suppose. Yeah. Haircut, shave, iron board. Mum's birthday. In that order. In that order. She'll be absolutely delighted to hear it. Well, you go and enjoy your week off. Well, everybody else, enjoy your week as well. In the meantime, thank you once again for listening. <laughs>